<laughs> well, you are listening to uh, Dare You to Watch. And I'm Katie, uh, the fabulous one herself. <laughs> I don't have an ego, okay? Um, <laughs> and this is the legendary Josh. I am pretty legendary. Welcome, listeners. I think we've probably got at least three dedicated listeners so far. But yes, Absolutely. From across the pond, but living in Chicago now. Yes, I love all of you three. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate your patronage. Yes. Me and Josh were actually just talking about how long we've known each other. And it's we kind of discovered it. it's been about eight years. Um, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? I was like, when was it? And like, it was because Gloria and I had just um, got married back in uh, Gibraltar, of all places, so that we could get a visa, so we could live in the same country. But she still had to be in America for a while until we got the visa sorted for the UK. Um, and so I came to visit. And uh, yeah, I met you then. I'd heard about you, but I hadn't met you. And then it was, that was, yeah, 2011, like Christmas time. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, of course, she would talk about me all the time. <laughs> just, you guys Josh, are best friends. Yes. Like uh, high school, right? Yeah, Josh's wife, Gloria. Um, so I had been best friends with her since high school. I met her in um, middle school, about seventh grade in soccer. And then around high school, I stalked her, got a job where she was working, um, embedded myself in her friend circle and then slowly became her best friend so you know what I love about that story is you <laughs> never hear stalker stories working out no they usually don't for me it did yeah. it, <laughs> and you know the funniest thing about that is that like um Gloria put that in her speech as you know as your maid of honor at your wedding you know she even like alluded to that she was like uh, so you know we kind of met Katie and she was like oh my god you guys got jobs at the mall that's interesting next week oh guys you'll never guess where I got a job <laughs> you can't get away from me <laughs> <laughs> Some fight all this Who ever that's met right a <laughs> well I try I try speaking of charming people who are probably actually pretty crazy Bob Wiley mm. it's about the uh the movie we're going to be talking about today Oh, yeah. The so, fabulous. what about Bob? Yeah. What about Bob is uh, a 1991 classic. I mean, talk about classic 90s movie. Um, Bill Murray. I mean, anything with Bill Murray, you just know, like, oh, classic. And I want to say, like, you, because the reason we even picked this was because this is kind of like a bit of a, like, classic for you, a sort of nostalgic film. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so this movie growing up was my one of our favorite family favorites. Absolutely. We watch this all the time. We quote it all the time. I'll get into some of my favorite quotes later. But oh, I love it. yeah, and it's weird because when I talk to people about Bill Murray movies, they don't always list what about Bob. They'll kind of talk. I've about never it. heard of it when you mentioned it. I mean, and this is partly why we picked it, because I you were saying, oh, I'm not really like into comedies that much. Like It's going to be tough for you to find ones and I was like oh but there's some classics out there like Ghostbusters some of the older ones and you were like oh yeah what about Bob and I'm like I've never even heard of it <laughs> and I don't think it's just a, a British thing um mm. I think it's a lot of people have not heard of it or watched it they just know him for other things so this is definitely one where I dared Josh to watch this because it's just comedic gold <laughs> yeah because like you're more I want to say you're more normal into like the horror stuff like this is you know when we started putting together the list of films like you had like, like 50 <laughs> films that were horror movies and I'm like a bit of a worse so I'm like okay we should like diversify this a little bit because like I don't want to be watching horror constantly and not being able to sleep but like is, <laughs> am I am I wrong about that like is that like your main genre or do you are you more eclectic than that yeah my main genre is horror I mean thriller movies 1990s suspense movies thriller and horror movies are my favorite that's usually what I watch and that's what we'll watch almost every weekend I I don't know I just don't do really any comedy that's just not something I mean I did when I was younger but as an adult yeah. I never find anything that's good and I don't know it's because I was you know, grew up with movies that were like, you know, what about Bob and Little Shop of Horrors is actually a really good classic one for us. Too. Oh, one of my 
favourites, and I actually was the the lead in the, the play of that in my high school, so that's a real nostalgia one for me. Actor alert! <laughs> oh, I love it. And, that, and that's kind of one of my draws for doing this as well. Like, I do like the performance aspect, but, I, you know, just watching movies as someone who always craved and wanted to be an actor from a young age, you know, it's something that I kind of, like, gave up and wanted to be more of a hobby when I got older. Um, but I still I still love kind of analyzing from that aspect. And uh, yeah, maybe just fun for that reason. I just, I just get a buzz out of that. Well, and being in because you did a lot of improv as an adult. So do you I mean, do you lean more towards comedy? I mean, in you know, in any specific type of comedy? Oh, that's, you know, not really. I, I wouldn't say so. For me, improv was just like me going out my outside of my comfort zone, because I always saw myself as like totally confident when there's a script and a character and I know exactly what I'm doing. But the idea of like coming up with random stuff on the spot was like a little terrifying, especially in front of other people. Mm. Um, and also I was new to Chicago and like Chicago is like the home of improv. And so I was like, great way to meet people, but also get the kind of performance fix I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, like, improv is a little terrifying. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I do like comedy, but like, you know, I wouldn't say it's like my genre. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something it's, I'm so picky about it, I guess. So it's hard for me to find things that are funny and I nitpick a lot of comedy. So I find myself almost getting annoyed halfway through most comedies. I mean, I'm not a Will Ferrell person. Like those movies are just never going to make me laugh, but with what about Bob? I found myself giggling a lot, like giggling through the whole movie, but my husband, David, who I, this was his first time ever watching it. He did not giggle or laugh through the movie there were some parts he found amusing but um I don't know if it's nostalgia like why I think it's yeah. so funny or that's just how my humor was built on as growing up and that has continued to today because I don't find today's humor funny but that stuff I'm still giggling at yeah I it's an interesting one because it was my first time watching it too mm-hmm. um had David's reaction as well like I didn't necessarily give although to be fair I find comedies in general it's like very hard to get me like laughing a lot I feel like Gloria and you like you guys were a great to to sit with uh, on comedies because (laughs) you're very reactive to them and I feel like you guys have like this infectious laugh so I get more out of it when I'm around people like you guys yeah I do yeah I I mean I think a couple times David looked over as I was laughing like almost with tears in my eyes and he's just kind of shaking his head but laughing with me so and I that is one thing I am a big proponent of watching scary movies but also comedies with people I mean laughter laughter is infectious so I don't find myself laughing out loud a lot if I'm just maybe alone um but yeah if I'm watching a funny movie with someone and they're laughing I might even laugh when I'm like oh I mean I guess it was kind of funny it's just that infectious thing with laughing I don't know no I I love it yeah I mean this one's really interesting and uh you know in a way I was kind of like when when I saw the premise I was like wow I don't think you could make this movie like today I don't know if you want to sort of outline the sort of like premise of the movie yeah so let me get down to like the nitty-gritty of the facts of like kind of just what the movie is and who's in it and um I I that is a big question let's that keep in mind is would this fly today could this movie be made today i mean would will people like it in this generation but um what about bob Uh, it's a 1991 movie it actually was directed by frank oz who directed little shop of horrors as well the voice of yoda voice of yoda yes i have that in bold (laughs) thick words voice of freaking yoda (laughs) (laughs) so frank uh yeah frank Frank Oz was the director. They actually asked um, Woody Allen to be the director and co-writer of this movie. And I can't even imagine this movie with Woody <laughs> Allen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be a completely different movie. It would be so, yeah. I don't even know, somber or weird, like we awkward, awkward. It, it would make me so yes. much more uncomfortable. He'd be probably hitting on some woman a lot younger than him at some point. Yeah, like the daughter of the the psychiatrist in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this uh, this movie is basically um, a a psychiatrist um, has a client. There's a client, Bob Wiley. He's the main character of the show. Bob Wiley's played by um, 
Bill Murray. And the client, the doctor is Dr. Leo Marvin, and he is played by Richard Dreyfus. So um, he's kind of this newly becoming famous psychiatrist. Like he's got a book out. He wants to promote it. Bob Wiley has been referred to him by another therapist that's on the verge of insanity himself from what they kind of oh, allude yeah. to um, is because he was treating Bob Wiley. Um, yeah. But uh, throughout the movie, you kind of see the psychiatrist um, patient uh, boundaries kind of being broken, not even kind of just totally broken. Yeah. Just smashed through the sledgehammer. Com- completely illegally smashed through. Boundaries be damned. Bob Wiley. Any laws broken. But he gets by with that charm. I mean, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, so- oh, no wonder you love this movie. <laughs> this is a movie about you, Katie. Yes! About how a stalker wins. And Oh, wow. Okay, carry on. I was hoping you guys would see where I got the idea from. <laughs> still coming together (laughs) so um and uh basically bob breaks boundaries and um he visits his psychiatrist who's on vacation uh the psychiatrist uh dr leo marvin richard dreyfus is on vacation with his family in new hampshire he'll be gone for about a month and bob wiley is so neurotic and has so many neuroses he just can't handle being without his therapist so he breaks probably a lot of laws and regulations to find out where he is staying and um interacts with the family a lot. So there's just a lot of interaction between how the family and Bob that he's very charming and they kind of are, um, I don't know, uh, taken over or won over by Bob as, but the therapist is like, okay, um, family, (laughs) he's crazy and we don't need to engage with this. Um, but the whole, the whole time the, you know, Richard Dreyfuss is trying to get Bob away and get him, you know, away from his vacation and Bob is persistent and, you know, charms the family and stays and makes basically the therapist go crazy. Um, very, very crazy. So, yeah. And, and it's that classic sort of odd couple setup. Isn't yeah. Because it? it's like, you know, you've got the straight character who's uh, the psychiatrist, Leo. And then you've got the, you know, the completely type B sort of slob, disorderly, chaotic person who's Bob. Um, so it is like, you know, the whole premise seems to be set up to just like force that kind of tension constantly and just like needle away at it and, and watch, uh, Leo go nuts. Um, but it was, it was interesting to see the very beginning because like you were mentioning this straight away that it was like very reminiscent of sort of like COVID stuff that's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you see the opening of this movie, it's basically Bob Wiley in his apartment and it is straight up how we are living in quarantine COVID times. I mean, he rolls out of bed, he like clocks into his work, but like his work is his office desk in his apartment. Like he doesn't leave his apartment, um, but he's also really neurotic about germs and disease. So he uses handle uh, Kleenexes on handles and washes his hands frantically. He's terrified to be near people. Um, there's a point where he comes out of his apartment and like people walk by and he basically like falls on the ground from being so like, <laughs> doesn't want to be near people or breathe their air. <laughs> yeah. um, so just him maneuvering around. Um, is basically how we are and it's just like yep we are definitely living just like bob wiley <laughs> yeah i mean he gets in that elevator or lift as i would call it as he's leaving uh, leo's office for the first time and he literally screams because there's like a bunch of people there. right um and then he like yeah like you said he had a kleenex when he was like shaking leo's hand um but like that beginning of the movie was starting to make me feel really tense at the beginning because i was like oh no they're making fun of mental health like he's got all these phobias and you know, he's clearly like a serious mental health issue kind of mm-hmm. guy. Um, you know, this isn't just anything light. And and it's like in the background, it's like he's walking down the street, like saying these mantras in his head. And it's like, boo, 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 boo. isn't this funny? He's mad. Do, 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 do. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't. You can't make fun of that. Like, uh, it sort of gets back to the like, could this be made right now? I'm like, I was like cringing for like the first quarter of the movie for like multiple different reasons but that was a big one oh absolutely i mean 
I, there are times where I was watching it and I just, that's the thing that kept coming back. Like, could this be made right now because of mental health issues? Like we take mental health illness so seriously now, and we're now understanding how it affects people and to see them exactly like you just said, like walking down the street, making fun of his mental illness. And then people giving him like the (laughs) eyebrow, like, Oh, you weirdo. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you can't do that to people now. It was very, it was, that's what I mean. It was almost that uncomfortable, like, could this be made now? I don't know if people would even think it's funny. I mean, people would just be like, no, that's terrible. You're treating him terribly. Right. Uh, But also, I mean, there there was the aspect at the very beginning of like, oh, you, you know, you're treating him terribly because you're making fun of it. But also then it became almost sinister because, you know, he leaves Leo's office and he's like, look, I'm going on vacation. You know, you can call, you know, my stand in while I'm away. But then he starts all these like really deceptive ways to like hunt him down and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I like I totally think this movie could also have been a horror movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Change the music to like some eerie, daunt, like scary, creepy music with some water saw in there. And then like, you know, you'd have literally a horror movie like, hi, he calls up to the uh, phone operator who can basically give any information out to where the doctor's at. And if they just put some water saw, some creepy, eerie, like, and he's like, hello, Bob Wiley's dead. He killed himself. I'm going to need some information about where the whereabouts are of Dr. Leo Marvin. It's like, that's terrifying. And then to come to find out, oh, I know. <laughs> Bob Wiley just faked everything and he just wanted to get the address of his psychiatrist and he's on a bus to his house in New Hampshire. Terrifying. Like this is absolutely a, if they just flip the music and made it a little bit darker, it's a plot for a scary movie. Lifetime movie. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's not even just that he's I mean yeah I mean like he's input he impersonates a policeman yeah. as well so he's just like straight up the law right there and then um and it's just like he's so sinister with it and you're like oh no 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 he's he's gonna follow him all the way there and he's with his family as well it's like what is this unhinged <laughs> guy gonna do if he's willing to break the law and impersonate a police officer and say that someone's died what else is he willing yes. to do when he gets there and his family's there and so I was just like so on edge and he was like, you know, he's he's on the bus on his way there and he like he gets off the bus in the town where like the doctor's having his his um, vacation. He just starts shouting his name. He's like, Dr. Leo Marvin. And he for him and the family happen to be there and he's like, oh, no, it's this guy. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be the worst. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he literally is just screaming his name in the middle of a town. Just, it's just, those are the types of things I look now. And as a kid, when you're watching it, it's so funny. And the whole, like, you know, bright scene and the light colors. And it's just, I mean, you think about it as an adult watching this current times, it's like, that's terrifying. And I, I mean, in my in real life, like I do massage therapy. I have clients. I mean, boundaries with your clients is so important. Like knowing that you never cross the line with them. I mean, patient therapist relationships can just, people can get too close, um, get the wrong idea of if it's a friendship and not a working relationship. It's, it was actually terrifying to see that happen. And I mean, I, I kind of put in my notes, like how the family reacted to this is insane to me. Like, exactly that was the thing that got me i was like what the fuck like they (laughs) don't care like they think this is totally fine and that was that was where the tension that was the moment the tension broke for me because i was like wait it doesn't even matter the only person in this movie who cares that he's there is the psychiatrist and the family are like totally chill with it lol invite him for dinner why not (laughs) What the hell? He's crazy. He's psycho. Why are you inviting him for dinner? He's not a nice guy. He's I was weird. literally like, Faye is the villain. Like, Faye is the true villain in this movie. She has created a hostage situation with her family. <laughs> yeah. But the kids oh, are cool yeah. with it too. They're like, oh, he's so nice. Yeah. Come and on, then, I mean, if what at first I was kind of like, oh, he probably didn't tell them the extent this guy went to come and see him. But no, in the very beginning, he right. like the, the doctor, the, the therapist says, 
No, you guys, he pretended to commit suicide to get our address. And they're like, oh, you're overreacting. He's fine. I... Yeah, and there's their reactions. They're they're like, oh, he's such a nice guy. And they're like, oh, Bob, come for dinner. Yeah, Yeah. come on. Like, let's hang out. He's such a nice guy. And when he's walking down the street, Leo sends him away in the beginning or whatever. And uh, the the daughter, like, drives by um, Bill Murray, who looks like a mess in this movie. And, like, on purpose, right? His hair's everywhere. And, like, Bill Murray's a kind of weird-looking guy anyway. I mean, he's got this weird, like, doughy flesh. And, like, he's all wrinkly, almost like Gordon Ramsay, wrinkly (laughs) face. Like, he just looks like a bit of a weirdo. And especially when he's acting like one. And the daughter, who's, like, I don't know, 16 to 18, just picks him up on the side of the road. It's like, oh, God, get in. And they're just having a chat. And my anxiety started going up again. I'm like, what is going to happen here? (laughs) I love that you hadn't seen it like as an adult watching this because you're just like my anxiety's up it's so high and I'm just kind of chuckling like oh I remember the end scene sorry it's so funny but I mean absolutely like watching this movie looking at it I mean if I had a daughter a 16 year old daughter and I saw her the next time I see her she's sailing with the man that I just sent away because he faked suicide to come like on a bus to find me and my family. Um, I'd call the police. I would 100% call. Yeah. How at any point were the police not called in this movie? <laughs> and she's like confiding in Bob straight away. She's like, Oh, my dad's such like a hard ass. And like, he doesn't listen to us. And Bob's like, she's like, being all deep with this like you know deeply troubled man who's come all this way and is suicidal apparently but not he just faked it like what is going on they're, they're, they're all living in this weird fantasy land where yeah this is fine. I, I don't that's where i just am like the mother's insane and then everyone else is these is this family just his clients like how have we how does he have this <laughs> insane group of people that live with him as a psychiatrist like how does his wife and children see no danger in this at all? Yeah, uh, I want to say something actually about the 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 sort of time period, and and I was actually enjoying the fact that it was so sort of early nineties, late eighties, like all the oh. hairstyles, like all that big hair and crazy like scrunchies and <laughs> ponytails and uh, blue jeans. There was a station wagon they were driving with the wood paneling on the side. Like it, yeah. that was cool. Yeah, that definitely that. brought me back. Like that, uh, especially the car. For some reason, I just was like, "Oh, that's so '80s. I love that." It almost reminded me of a Christmas vacation type of car, or like that, you know, whole genre. But yeah, it's I love seeing all of like the girls wearing the big shirts and it being very just in that decade, which also then kind of made me feel again, like, Oh, that was just the time. I mean, that's just how things were. You picked up guys on the street. I mean, you know, like no big deal. And, you know, coming from, I'm originally from Michigan and now I live in California, but in Michigan, when you get into wooded areas that are kind of more, you know, a camp feel like your neighbors three miles away, you know, it's kind of like everyone's friendly and they all get along. So you don't see the danger in people a little bit. It's like that little bit of that night naivete. And when you're, you know, especially in that time period, like, yes, there were terrible things happening, but you know, my, I've seen him once before. My dad's talked to him. It's fine. I'm just going to pick him up. Like, yeah, no, totally. And like, we're both, you know, 85, 86, you know, era kids. And so we kind of grew up with that. Like, you know, you just go outside and play and be back before dark sort of thing. Um, that was, you know, everyone talks about in our generation of like, oh, that's how it was for us as kids. But like kids today, you know, you can't imagine parents just being like, okay, you know, see you when it gets dark. Like, so I, I get what you're saying. It's kind of like a different era where maybe things were a little Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I took it as. Like, seeing the clothes and everything made me, a little bit reminded me, like, oh, that was just kind of the time. And it was a, a small little town, and I don't know. And, yeah, I, yeah. I just thought... Yeah, impersonating a policeman's yeah, just funny. Yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, pranks, like, just a little, little joke. <laughs> Jokesies. <laughs> Oh my God. And then, so they, but then it goes even weirder because later on he comes, he keeps coming back again, again, and again. And the wife was like, Oh, let's have him for dinner. 
And he's like sat there at the dinner table, like moaning because he's eating the food and it's so good. But he's just like moaning in this way. And you're just like, oh, yes. my God, this is gross. He's like and all the family's just like <laughs> giggling. Yeah. And I kind of uh, I kind of forget how he from the sailing got back to the house. Yeah, because... that's interesting. Because uh, did he ever run in with the kid who his Leo's uh, young young son is like scared of diving, and then he maybe runs into him and then teaches yes. him the diving thing. Maybe that's how he got invited to dinner. Because then the wife was like, "Yeah, cool, yes. come to dinner." Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember uh, that scene transition, but it was just kind of like, "Wait, he's just at, he's just helping the kid dive now," which is something um about the movie the psychiatrist has been trying to teach his son how to dive for like two years and then bob comes in and just says like yeah. two things like well why don't you he tells he asked the kid like why don't you just teach me how to dive so this like you know yeah beetlejuice you know looking kid <laughs> he like looks like he should be from that movie he wears all black and he's good. very you know dark sigmund um he you know goes to teach bob how to dive yet you know bob he ends up you know, diving himself to teach Bob and that's the big success. And that's why he gets invited in for the dinner. But, you know, at the same time, it's just kind of, it's weird. It's creepy. You know, it's just like, what? no, he shouldn't have been yeah. at the house anyway. He was sa sailing with your daughter. He's now at your home just unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, it's just, he, there's so many creep factors in it, but then it's just like, do 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 have come over for lunch. No big deal yeah. or dinner. And then, and then uh, Leo like almost oh, chokes yeah. on his food, and like so, Bill Murray's like uh, giving him the Heimlich, and then just like literally just like jumping on his back, and so clearly like the director's having fun here, like let's just like beat up the psychiatrist now, but for a reason that's a good one. And then the family is so grateful, like oh, you saved him from choking by like jumping all over him, um, and they're like all like doing this singing in the rain thing by cleaning up the dishes. They're like singing. That was the moment that got me. I'm like, they are <laughs> loving this guy. They are loving it. They're like, he is the best guy ever. We have openly, warmly taken him into our family and we're just singing along. And he's just like, Leo's like seething in the background. Like, get the hell out of my Understandably house. Understandably too. Um, and then, yeah, right? Like that... Did that scene not get you? I was like, this is Oh, yeah. Show. That was the one where it was just like, this is taking it too far. Like, this is so unrealistic. I mean, the yeah. wife would, yes, you can invite him over for dinner, but you can see how much it's visibly aggravating your husband. He has told you, he has warned you who this person is, and you're just delightfully enjoying a romp of singing in the rain in your kitchen with him. Like, that's where it just gets to me like, oh, yeah, this is getting a little unrealistic, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I guess that's the style of this comedy. It is kind of a farce, right? Like it, it just, it, they keep ramping up the ridiculousness. And that's why the tension was gone for me at that point, because I was like, yeah. this is so insane that like, I'm not now worried about this being weird because this is just an absurd film. And, and it's even the style yeah. of it. And even absurd. see, the thing that actually made me um, kind of almost a little bit, like kind of turned it for me. It's like, okay, this isn't so much anxious. It's just a little playful is when, the doctor like Leo Marvin is just kind of seething in the background and he kind of is trying to tell the family like okay it's time time for him to go and he's trying to say it so nicely and you can see the grit in his teeth yeah. and it's just everyone's just like whatever it's raining he can't go he has to stay here and then they put him in their son's room oh my I couldn't I, believe that moment I forgot I like, about what? that and I'm like um Oh, I totally forgot. I would that that is where it's like this is absolutely absurd. Like obviously he cannot be scared of Bob at this point if he's offering for him to stay over because it's raining, so they don't want him walking home. Um to stay and he's sleeping in their son's room. That's me. Gloria's amazing quote was he he's such a weirdo and she's like why didn't you sleep right, right next to my son whoa 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 <laughs> like that that's where it made the jump for me I'm like yep yeah, okay well they're just you know insane and this is just how it's gonna be okay yeah I forgot about that like I thought oh yeah he sleeps in the couch or something right I totally forgot he slept in the bedroom <laughs> And then he, they, like, he stay, he, like, has a heart-to-heart -heart with the kid at night because they're sleeping in the bedroom, like, talking him through his problems or whatever. And 
he's telling him about Tourette's and they just start like screaming swear words and then like the dad comes in and they're like just like hiding by (laughs) behind pillows and they like you know Bob's acting like a little kid and I'm like this is so creepy he's like a grown man that's one of my favorite quotes in the um in that scene and in the movie is when the doctor comes in and he screams at them like I just need peace and quiet and then um, Bill Murray's like, I can be peace. I can be, I can be quiet. It's just kind of one of those like, oh, that's so <laughs> like charming and adorable, yet very childish. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning, he's trying to wake him up because he's got like some like um, really important TV interview happening in his house. So he wants to get him out of the house before they arrive and he's just like cock a doodle do he's just like going nuts and like oh yeah and it's like a, this is a huge interview this is and they from the very first scenes of the movie they really emphasize what a big deal this is like this is good morning america good morning america so it's a nationwide like national tv event they go into detail about like they've right. never they've only once before went to a therapist vacation home to do an interview they like do not do this normally so they are like emphasizing this right. is a huge deal and this is a giant break for your career this can make you um this is a big 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 deal so that was emphasized from very early on and so hence why he wants him out of the house like as early as possible i mean he probably i was kind of think doing the math i'm like what did he get like two hours of sleep like like the doctor like this is one of the biggest moments in his career and i'm thinking he's like working off of two hours of sleep at that night Oh yeah, it was nuts. And and it was funny for me watching him do the interview because they see Bob leaving as they're coming in. They're like, oh, yeah. and, and somehow he's like, oh yeah, I'm a patient or whatever. And uh, they're like, brilliant. What a genius idea. We'll, we'll have a patient during the interview and you can, you know, show how your baby steps method works perfectly. Um, and so they kind of like force him into like having Bob on the interview. And that it kind of reminded me of like the office because like when they, when they were both sitting there in front of the cameras, you could just see like the family's faces whilst Leo starts to fall apart during the interview and say stupid things and get flustered. And the family's faces are just kind of like turning to the camera and like, being like Oh, this is awkward. It was like, <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah that's, it was very much like Bob in the end, after the interview, you kind of see like Bob saved him because the doctor was actually really awkward through the whole thing. And it it's very apparent right off the bat. The interview actually, like she's interviewing the therapist, but she's kind of realizing like, yeah, he's really weird. So I'm going to turn to Bob and start talking to him. And then he naturally takes over. And then the killer part is he like takes his seat. At one point, they all stand up. The family comes in to say hi and Bob's charming. And then he eventually like they switch seats. So Bob then takes the main chair that the doc, the doctor was sitting in. And it's just like, so you could just see in the doctor, like he doesn't want to sit down and he's just like, what, what is happening? But he's then again, like cat, like he's almost not responsive. He's not, he can't do anything about the situation either. But that was like, Oh, this is so like it's terrible for the doctor, but he is kind of messing this up, and Bob is kind of making him look really good. Um, but other than his like, you know, the rushing in the bag uh, moment that Bob does in the beginning, <laughs> I've forgotten about that. And yeah, and like you know that he's so angry that that you know it went badly or whatever. But their family are like, no, it went amazing, and Bob saved you and stuff, and. Um, and that's kind of like the point in the movie where they really start ramping up the pace because like it's just like hit after hit to like Leo of just like more like bad things happening. Like, you know, it, I, I forget the exact things and what happens in what order, but he definitely tries to like institutionalize Bob at some place. Yeah, pretty like, much after that by, interview, right? he's like uh, he Bob is, or the doctor's trying to play it off like yeah bob did a great job he helped me so much um me and bob are going to go on a little drive and we're going to do a little therapy so then he goes and drops him off at this like insane asylum he tells his friend trust me you know like he uh he tells us the doctor tells his friend who's another therapist at this insane asylum you know he's crazy he's insane yeah i know you can only hold him for 24 hours um but you will have no problem he is so crazy he will just stay here um so then he basically, by the time the doctor gets home, the insane asylum's calling them up and saying, you need to get back here. This guy is not crazy because Bob can charm. I mean, he's like this charming, 
funny, you know, anecdotal guy who can like say funny jokes and the whole, you know, you see them back at the insane asylum and the doctor comes in and sees Bob just making the whole staff laugh with stories. Yeah. And it's funny because like that kind of gets to the point about the fact that, you know, this movie flips it as soon as he gets to where Leo is in the vacation they start to really downplay like his his mental issues and like you you see a lot more charm coming out of bob and like much less of the neurosis coming out and so it's not like it's weird it's almost like he's not really that ill anymore and like the idea is that oh he's on vacation and like you know the doctor's things are helping him and being around the family is helping him but like it's just like he's not even that sick anymore or he doesn't seem to be and, you know, that's why he's able to charm all these people. It's just like, wow, like you're not even displaying really any symptoms. You're just like having a good time. People are enjoying your company. Um, and that moment in the movie is also where I that he gets back out of the car after the drive with Bob that he told his family. And the wife is like, where's Bob? Where is he? And then she's like, oh, I've got to go back. And, you know, I can't, I'll explain later because he, he realizes they're not going to take him at the um, you know, institution. And she's like, but what about Bob? What about Bob? And it was like, oh, it's one of those where they actually say the title of the movie as a line in the script. And like, I've seen that a few times. And like, I think a comedy can get away with it. But I also saw it once in like a really serious, gritty British, classic British movie called Secrets and Lies. And there's like this really emotional, deep scene. And then the, one of the characters just goes, <laughs> secrets and lies. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's the name of the movie. It's like, oh, you just broke the fourth wall in like the most ridiculous yeah, way. Yeah, that only Why works in a comedy. And I mean, they actually say it really early on in the movie. I forget when, but they say it super early. And then they go back and she says it loudly. I was like, wow, three times. They say it three times in this movie. I mean, that was like, okay. Yeah, that what about Bob yelling? And then it was a little like, did he like, you know, give you some drugs or something? Like, did Bob insert the parasite in your brain that makes you like him? Like, how did he win you over so hard? You're like, but where's Bob? Like, what? No. And you you see how it's affecting your husband. Yeah cares about Bob but I don't know I just said that was kind of like yes when they say the name of the movie and things it does it brings you out of it but I really only think it works in comedies because of yeah whatever like it's just okay cute yeah. haha there's a name for that yeah this is this is ridiculous anyway so I don't really mind that I'm reminded yeah. that this is a movie and you've just inserted the name of the movie into the character's words I mean that's what really breaks it um but yeah he 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 really loses it after having to like bring him back oh there's a great moment where he's driving back with bob and he's just lost it so much he literally just screeches to a halt in the middle of the road and he just goes (laughs) and he's trying to say get out of the car but it's just like a garbled mess but it was it was such a great line by uh i mean that is one thing in the um behind the scenes of this movie richard dreyfus and um Bill Murray did not get along. There's a lot of interviews, even up until like 2009, uh, Dreyfus is an interview, but they talk so much about how they hated each other on set. Dreyfus just talks about it was, it was a miserable working experience. Um, I did not like working with him, but it worked for the movie. And then Bill Murray says the same thing. Like, you know, I, I don't like him. We don't get along, but I think it showed well in the movie because it really showed our hatred. Right. No, it totally worked, I guess. You know, that chemistry was real because they actually didn't like each other. But, you know, Bill Murray apparently is quite difficult to work with, which I had no idea until I started looking into those kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, One of the producers was like, yeah, he was terrible. He like threw an ashtray at this woman who was a producer and was like threatening to like throw, like pick her up and throw her physically as well. And he like took her sunglasses and like yeah and i had heard yeah, about that it's, like it's a, just like it's a, i think they called him the hurricane like he's a hurricane and set and so they call him bill the hurricane and he tries to like i read an article where bill murray he does try to defend himself later on 
he um he's in he's basically talking about how you know it's other people they're not taking the job seriously they don't you know he just doesn't like them so he pokes the bear basically but you know i don't know it's kind of like well yeah i would defend myself that way too like it's not me it's them you know but i i mean you don't get the nickname like billy the hurricane and hurricane you know because you're so great to work with yeah who who's the common denominator (laughs) in these stories yeah Seems to be Bill Murray. I mean, the, I, one of the things I dug up here was that um, he was like drunk during this production one time and he was like screaming at Dreyfus and being like, everyone hates you, you're tolerated. And that was when he like yeah. threw this. Yeah, I mean, and family. sad to say, I mean, that kind of stuff that happens on set, it's terrible. And again, probably only happens, well, it probably happens now. I'm sure it's not tolerated as much yeah. anymore. But it really helped in this movie right. because you could just see like the the veins yeah. coming out of uh, Richard Dreyfuss's face and like how he just the voice he used it's just like that Bob son of a bitch like it just came out of him so like I hate <laughs> him to the core and it's probably because outside of that scene he was probably right. just fighting with him and it's coming through on so you really see the hatred and you know bill murray he does say like i poked richard dreyfus like i wanted to irritate him i actively did that and in the movie you can see it it's like he actively is getting the roles do start to switch like in the end bob is actually kind of now looking yeah. like this calm and normal you know serene guy and then the psychiatrist yeah. richard dreyfus is now looking like this insane sane person who's just hating and like going out of his way to go after this like nice guy bob and nobody else sees it except him yeah he's completely unhinged by the end of it i mean i think even his doctor friend like writes him a prescription he's like listen leah you seem kind of like on edge like you know here's here's some you know prozac or whatever like you know they were prescribing at the time um and you know, and, and then it starts to really get dark as well, because like, you know, like you said, when he's getting that unhinged, he's like, he just goes, he's like, right, that's it. I'm going to the store. And, and he's like looking for guns and bows and arrows and bombs and stuff. And he like yeah, it's, grabs it's him in the middle of the night, doesn't he? Um, Bob wants to do, or uh, no, Richard Dreyfus. he goes to the store and he wants to find this um anything that would kill him so he's realizing like certain things are too messy and he sees this stump remover which is like gunpowder and he grabs bob in the middle of the night because i think the family at that point was like look um uh you need to leave we love you we love you bob you're amazing but you need to go and so bob's walking down the road and dr leo marvin uh, finds him and he's like we're gonna do a little therapy called death therapy and he has these two bags of uh, you know, this basically bomb making material and takes them out in the middle of the woods with a shotgun as well. So just in case we have the shotgun, but um, it's like something like, Oh, what's this death therapy? So he's trying to, you know, Bob is playing along. Like he's not even scared because he thinks all of these things are just a therapy session. Yeah. So uh, he's walking along and he, you know, the doctor ties him up and it's like, so like, what is this? He's like, Oh, stump removal. I think, I think two teaspoons, takes out 20, 20 pounds or something. And I have 200 pounds of this stuff on your neck or 20 pounds of this stuff on your neck. And it's like, Oh, oh that's a little overkill. <laughs> it's just, yeah. and you can just see the madness that's coming out of the doctor <laughs> at this point, but it's kind of, I mean, he ties him up and he just basically gives yeah. him this little, the doctor gives him a prompt, like, you know, untie the, you know, get yourself out of this one. So then Bob takes it to that next level. Again, not really scared. He seems a little on edge, but he's just like, okay. Um, he's trying to work through how this could be therapeutic for him. And mind you, he's tied up on a tree completely covered in rope. And he has two huge bags of just basically gunpowder around his neck on a 10 minute timer. So, and he's just like, Hmm, how do I get out of this? I have to untie my knots. I have to untie my knots of my, you know, uh, my problems. Emotional issues. Yeah. And it's like, that was when I was like, wow, this is really getting dark. Like, you've literally got apparently before this movie began an upstanding citizen who is now willing to commit murder because he's so annoyed with his patient. And you're just like, really, this is really happening. This He's literally going to kill him. And like, he's like a family man. You, you've like turned this character into like this murdering 
evil person. Yeah, like, again, oh this could God, easily this have turned darker. into a horror movie at any point in time. I mean, if this script could have just handed, you know, been given to somebody yeah. else with a, it's just easily a horror movie. Yeah, it's 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 amazing how it switched. And yeah. also, you are kind of like rooting for Bob in the end, kind of. I mean, you can see where like you know the doctor is irritated, but you're like, yeah. oh come on, you're getting a little dramatic, and you're like totally rooting for Bob. Like you're the same. You're the same way as the family. Like you drink the juice. You drink the Bob juice. Uh, you do eventually. I for a lot of same. the movie, I was identifying with the with the doctor because I was kind of like, this guy is like nuts, and he's done all this. Like we were saying in the beginning, but you're right. By the end of it, you're kind of like, what? No, you can't kill him. Like you've gone too far now. This is really dark, and he gets out of the knots, and and he turns like, uh, what's it? But um. Leo goes to his family and he's like, oh, you know, he tried to commit suicide before and this time it worked or whatever. And then Bob just appears with like a cake and he's like, what are you doing here? And uh, it turns out he had put the bomb in the house and the bomb like blows up. Um, And like, he, he had been introduced to Leo's sister, right? At some point before, like he had had some running. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So before the, um, the bomb death therapy situation, um, his family threw him a surprise birthday party and the Bob showed up and this is what set him over the edge. Like Bob put his arm around his sister and that's what made him snap the doctor. So, and that's where, you know, at the end when he gets out of his nuts, he's not the very end, but when he's coming out after the death therapy, he's learned his lesson. He's a changed man. He's coming out of the house. You know, Richard Dreyfus is like, what'd you do with those bags that were around your neck? The whole family's there, Bob's there, and he's, you know, the house explodes. And it's just, I mean, I, I do kind of go to that place of like, what if the kids were in there, you know? <laughs> whatever. I know, again, comedy, movie, whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> um, again, that madness that like, these are real repercussions. Like, that was insane. So um, he does, so Richard Dreyfus ends up being committed into that insane asylum that um, Bob Wiley was supposed to be in. And he's totally catatonic. Right. Right. His dream house has been ruined. It blew up by Bob. Um, And, you know, we don't see this until the very end. But, you know, Bob is dating his sister, Lily. Um, His family is just concerned about him. And the last scene of the movie, you see, you know, Richard Dreyfuss is in a wheelchair at the wedding. He's totally out of it just not responsive at all. And the priest, uh, Bob Wiley is actually getting married to uh, the doctor's Leo Marvin, his sister. And the priest is saying, is, does anyone here object? And you start to hear the croak from Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> it's just like, Oh God, he's not going to say it in time. <laughs> of course, comedic timing. Uh, they get married and then he screams. No. And it's, it's so <laughs> like, it's terrible. Everyone's like overjoyed and everyone like ignores the fact that he screamed no. And it's just like, yeah, he's back. Yay. And they're like hugging him and like, woo. Yeah. And it's so farcical at that point. Like, it's just like, this is ridiculous. Like it, even just before that scene, when he was like in the institution, the doctors were like, oh, you know, maybe we should prescribe this kind of Valium or something. And like, uh, Bob's like, mm, I don't know. Lithium. Like, you know, have you thought about like, you know, oxy something or other yeah lithium like you know and they're like oh you know that's a really good shout yeah can you do that instead and they're like taking his advice so like it's just so what? ridiculous it's just i mean that's the charmer bob good old bob the charmer i mean in a way it's kind of cool that they did it in that way and it really reminds me of this movie that Gloria is that called problem child have you heard that? does he have red hair uh yeah yes kind of yeah i want to say it's like brownie red but basically it's almost like um if you haven't seen the movie it's it's basically kind of like home alone uh (laughs) meets um this movie basically um because it's about a kid who gets adopted like you know tons of times and keeps getting rejected and he kind of like plays pranks on people and that's why they keep rejecting him and sending him back to the adoption thing uh, but the, it's so like farcical and towards the end of the movie the parent comes in the new parent who's meant to be like the <gasps> hero of the movie and has a pillow in his hands and he's shaking Whoa. and he's like and you're like oh my god this is so dark but they quickly resolve it like within a few minutes that same person is saving the kid from the evil character 
and then they have this lovely resolution and it's like you have this brief moment of like pure darkness and you're like no this is this is kind of meant to be a kids movie what are you doing and <laughs> uh, so then quickly like la 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 this is all silly haha <laughs> we're Classic a wedding 1990s. like the house but you're back from your <laughs> oh my god but it kind of worked because you're like well, you gave me a, a brief moment of yeah. pure tension there where I'm like, what are you doing? So but it's dark. like watching like, it from a child's ah, point of view. Do silly. they even know what that intention is? Like, do they even see it? Do they even know? I mean, I know what movie you're talking yeah. about and I, I can kind of, I know what you're talking Yeah, I've seen that scene before. It doesn't even, I watched it when I was a kid. I don't yeah. even remember that scene. You know, I just remember the ha ha ha, la di da scenes, everything got along in the end. But yeah. Yeah, for anyone listening, it's definitely yeah. worth, it's definitely a sort of day to watch it type of movie. Like check out check out Problem Child as well. Like a similar sort of vein, like ridiculously. Yeah, absurd, that's all of these movies. Kind of I take notes, places. so that's how I make friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, this is basically your life. You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't know, but one of places uh, the glory that Gloria lived did blow up in a mysterious explosion. No. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you, honestly. You've, you've played some pretty crazy pranks over here. <laughs> Very much so. You're a bit of a prankster on the slide. <laughs> but it's all you? those 90s uh, movies. I mean, hello, like uh, Home Alone. I mean, that was my holy grail. They taught uh, me well. Another movie, which is, I mean, if you watch on YouTube, Legal Eagle, he breaks down like legal issues with um, certain movies. And it's hilarious. I think he breaks down Home Alone and it's insane yeah. the amount of laws that 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 everyone's breaking in it that like this would never be able to happen. Oh, everyone else. Oh, yeah. And not, even not like, you know, like hurting criminals well. in your home is actually illegal. Like, it's just so, you know, and I just kind of always put it under this, like, I mean, it, whether it be good or bad under this umbrella of like classic 90s movie. <laughs> they can do that. They can do no wrong, you know. It's funny to kind of look at the psychology of that because I do love a good prank too. I've, I've played a good few pranks in my time. My a, a close uh, university friend, Neil, um, I once um, like wrote a, a, a note to him as if it was from a student uh, and it was sort of like this obsessive note. And like, you know, it, it, it was funny at the time and we, we very quickly told him it was, it was a joke. Um, but then looking back, so ooh, that was a little tricky, but I wonder what the psychology is. I wonder why we like pranks. I don't know. Like, like I think like it's about. kind of um, duping another person, like getting one up on them. Um, seeing, I mean, maybe because I'm a... Yeah a scary movie type of thrill seeker in that sense. Like it's a controlled situation where I know nobody's going to get hurt, but for a short period of time, somebody's going to be very, very worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's almost like you're looking for the reaction. It's like you, you, you're in a way it's like performance, right? Cause like, you know, the thing I always got out from like acting and stuff was like getting a reaction out of, out of other people, like moving them and like making them, you know have these emotions go through themselves and having that weird connection and by doing these pranks you kind of do the same thing it's like you see this shock look on someone's face and they suddenly oh, yeah. they go through these ranges of emotions depending on what the prank is um so i don't, I don't know and why, i mean i like making like people feel that? uncomfortable like i just because i don't know i don't have a problem with that i don't have i don't get very yeah. um awkward i don't feel uncomfortable easily so putting that on other people knowing that's their yeah. issue sorry for anyone who has like major anxiety or issues with this but um if you're my very close friend yeah i will pull that out in public and use it against you <laughs> But like all in good fun, you know, you take it to a certain point. But yeah, it's all about the reaction yeah, and always... making things uncomfortable. And hopefully in the end, yeah. you get a laugh. Like I actually was trying to pull a prank on a friend. Um, it was, I was dating my now husband and we were dating at the time. And I was trying to get this group of friends. Mm -hmm. Now they're not into pranking people. So didn't work out very well. Um, I was trying to get them to get in on this prank of a mutual <laughs> friend telling him Oh, uh, me and my boyfriend, me and David had ju just got married on a whim. We just got married and we did it. No big deal. Um, we did it the other day. We're out celebrating. So I thought it'd be funny to kind of 
um, explain to him how we just got married, not even, and I kind of went over and above like, oh, I didn't even think about it. I mean, who cares? You know, I didn't even think of any, you know, um, any ramifications. Um, I'm definitely not going to work anymore. And I'm going, I mean, I just became this also, yeah. also like anti-feminist in a sense too. And like these things of like, you know, he calls the shots and like, he said, we should get married. I'm going to get married to him. I mean, anything he says I do, it was just kind of like trying to get, I kept amping it up to get a rise out of him. And this guy who I was trying to prank was right. so calm. He could have cared less. And he was a little like, Oh, well, I mean, you know, maybe you should think about getting married before getting married, but you know, it's, it's your life and you can do whatever you want. I think that's great. And I'm like, okay, let me amp up this little prank. And people around me were getting so uncomfortable because then I almost was like putting (laughs) David down. Mind you, there were lies, but I'm like trying to rise out of him. It ended up failing, like falling flat. Nothing had, like, it was just making everyone uncomfortable. And then I know to end the prank. Like this is this is not working out. This is not funny. No one's laughing. So I'm like, you know what? This is a prank. I'm joking. Whatever. We're not married. I'm over it. Whatever. This is lame. (laughs) So I am looking for a rise, some sort of reaction. And uh, I don't know. I just, I'm looking for that. I'm like seeking that out. No, I get it. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Like it's, um, there's definitely something special about that moment when people are really buying into it. Um, <laughs> God, we sound like horrible people right now, but no, like, you know, like crazy. we said, it's yeah, never and it's with close crazy. friends. Um, and, and, right. Right. And, and, and actually, Kate, you did once, and we won't give the listeners the full story right now because it's too good. <laughs> and we, we talked about how we need to save it for its own episode at some point. But when uh, I first met Katie, she pulled... Uh, the, the most <laughs> epic prank that I've ever experienced in my life um, on me. And it's, it is really quite a story. Um, so yeah, one, I just wanted to tease that for a future episode. Yeah, at some absolutely. Point, that will, is uh, one for the books that I still, I mean, I'll still tell that at dinner parties and I almost have to hold off on telling people that sometimes until they get to know me to know I'm not oh, a yeah. terrible person, but to know it was all in good fun. But yeah, it was a uh, pretty much the ultimate prank <laughs> and um it will go down in history for me as well. <laughs> I tell it all the time. Um, and I, and I don't even tell it as a prank. I tell it, I tell it often as a story, <laughs> as if a weird story that's happening and I don't reveal that it's a prank until the very end. And, and it always goes down really well when I do that. Cause that's it's awesome. like a big reveal at the end. It's like a little twist that they weren't expecting. Um, yeah. So that that's good. We'll we'll save that one. Um, but we we have quite a lineup, don't we, of of movies in our bank. We've got like a whole little repository. Um, and I was thinking, ah, uh, I think that's a great idea. I was actually just talking about that movie yesterday. Weirdly, so <laughs> I mean, it's a classic. It's one of those that I think even yeah. Josh kind of mentioned before we got on here. Um, it's a movie that people might not have seen and uh that you've heard about but you know maybe some people that are younger or just they're not into that genre might not have seen it so i am fully on board for watching demolition yeah yeah we've got sly stallone and wesley snipes as the leads and it's this kind of weird sci-fi future crime caper and it's pretty wacky like yeah and it is like scary to watch this because it's pretty uh roller coaster ride of craziness like it doesn't make sense why it was made how did the script get passed um and we have and sandra bullock's in it too so i mean it's it's a it's a fun one for sure (laughs) yeah no i'm looking forward to it Oh, that's cool. Well, this is yeah. this has gone pretty well for a you know first take. I like I like it I like it rough around the edges. Like you know, we don't we try not to edit. Yeah, these I definitely. I mean, this so is our first like official go, right? podcast from beginning to end, and I'm not going to be editing these for the beginning just because I don't know how to do it, and I'm still learning. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just kind of fun to get to know the yeah. you know us, the people who are talking to you behind the the microphone, um, a little bit, kind of telling some personal info, but also kind of uh, our thoughts and you know 
our thoughts about the movies we're watching as well. Because some of these movies, I mean, I don't think I would watch rewatch Demolition Man unless Josh is like daring me to watch it. I would not rewatch that movie for any reason other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, same. Uh, it's definitely well. There's there's some movies that are worth watching just for that kind of like, oh, let's go back, and especially the older ones. Like, let's go back and see how insane. Yeah, this because is, that is it, it is like, so would this be, be able to part. be made today? And is this even so funny? Is it relatable? And I my big question that I kind of want to probably hit back on a lot is like, <laughs> is it good because I it's a nostalgic thing for me, or yeah. is it good because it just was a good movie? So. Um, yeah. I don't know. What is it, for the the last thing, what was Go your ahead. overall take of what about Bob though? Like, like it, didn't like it. Would you recommend it? It was good. Okay. It was good. It wasn't amazing, but it was good. It, it wasn't like blow me out of the water comedy. I still prefer Ghostbusters. All right. All right. And but I would too. I mean, I, I think I if you're looking it. for some memories from childhood, if you're, uh, you know, a millennial, I guess you, that will bring back a lot of good memories. I giggled through the whole thing, but you know, anyone younger or just haven't seen yeah. it and you're older, I definitely check it out. I think it's, if you watched every other Bill Murray, you might as well watch this one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Completely agree. Yeah. Cool. So I think, uh, well, what do you reckon? It was we, a great talk. It, it was so good talking with you next time. Woo woo. Yeah. We said good. We killed it. We're awesome. I should still think about I will up look into like, it when you know we can you be around stay. people and I don't have to be six feet away from my improv or friend. But yeah. <laughs> so um next time we will be talking about Demolition Man and all the hilarity of that. Why do they use clams for the bathroom? I guess we'll have to dive into that. Talk to you next time. <laughs>